1: Why is it that some people make better decisions than others and seem to be in the zone all the time? Imagine being in the zone all the time to tell us how to be in the zone and how to make those better decisions. Ken Keys. Ken, how are you? I'm very good, Joel. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for being here with us. So, well, you're welcome. so what's the deal? What um, What's the trick to uh, being in the zone? I, I love being in the zone. It doesn't happen all the time.
2: Well, I mean, for individuals, we what's the number one thing we could work on? You talk about working on a business and having a business plan plan and having clarity. But what about clarity in my life about who I am, what do I like, what do I enjoy? So the job is the number one person I need to work on is myself to get clear. And so we're, people are out of the zone because they have uncertainty. They have a lack of clarity. And so that clarity comes from knowing self. All the research is clear. Self-awareness, in all areas of my life, lead to confidence, which leads to competence.
1: Yeah. Some of these things that you're talking about are really big for me. I, I think all business success comes to a couple of these things. So competence leads to confidence. Just like what you said, I'm really on board with that and I'm really big on clarity, but I think about clarity in business. Mm. I don't think so much about clarity in my personal life. So tell me you know, about that because I'm kind of more, business-oriented than personal. Is
2: this kind of touchy-feely? I mean, is this? Well, yes and no, meaning it's grounded and centered. Some people might call it soft skills, but here's the reality. Every single business is owned by a person. You know, we say, well, it's stakeholders, but somebody's running this multi million dollar company somewhere. That vision came from someone, if it was a group of people or an individual. So part of what we do as a company, and we were an assessment company, we help people to get clear about several different things. We take a whole list of perspectives. So everybody's heard about personality. So we have personal style. So personality influences how I see the world. We call it preferences. It's how I make decisions. I bring, actually, interesting enough, we're doing this training in law enforcement now, is I bring implicit bias to everything. So how is that bias affecting my decisions? So if I know my strengths, but I am also going to know what some of my weaknesses are. Because the reality is, as you know, Joel, is that sometimes my greatest strength can become my greatest weakness. So I'm playing on my strength constantly, but I miss some things. I have this blind side. The other thing that we teach, we talk about values clarification, where everybody knows about values, but do you know 100% what your core values are? What would it mean, Joel, if you could make the right decision every time? Are you kidding?
1: This is very interesting to me, because even though this isn't hardcore business, this absolutely affects everybody who's in business. And I can think of a lot of ways how it affects me and what I I think about. uh, You know, a lot of this stuff, does this fall into the basket of what everybody keeps calling emotional intelligence? Absolutely. It seems like it is part of it.
2: It is definitely part of it. And here's the other thing. All of you that are listening or watching that are business owners, guess what? You have people that are working for you. You have individuals downstream for you who lack clarity. And we are not going to get the best performance not only out of ourselves, but out of others. So one of the greatest gifts we give to other people is for them to get clear that they know that they know about their direction. See, our ability to be successful in life and in business is the ability to say no as well as the ability to say yes. And so if I know who I am, if I know what my values are, if I can filter decisions to those values, Joel, then I can literally, I mean, it's a plan in words, make the right decision every time. But if I don't know what those values are, then you know, think about business today, Joel, are there many shiny objects out there? Are there opportunities beyond even comprehension? And so what's, what's containing me and giving me direction and giving me clarity is that I need to do that work in advance before I get out there because I can have all these shiny objects and this is where businesses fail. Now all of a sudden I've got like 4,000 creative ideas, some that I'm connected to some not. So why wouldn't I want to drive it from this core strengths that I have?
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, you, are talking about it from the internal. I think about it from the external and, and this is a, this is why this is an enlightening thing. This is going to be helpful for me. So uh, you're talking about, you know, you got these 4,000 different ideas and distractions, you call them shiny objects, you know, whatever they are. Uh, And we got all these different things that we can do as a company. Uh, How do we decide which path to take and which one to do? I think it comes from clarity of knowing your market, knowing your customers, and you're talking about it coming from clarity, knowing you know,
2: what it is that you like and want to do. Is Absolutely. That, and you know, then the two really merge together to create sort of a successful entity and a relationship. The reality is, is every single one of us, I mean, you love what you do, I love what I do. I, I went through this journey myself 30 years ago. So this is my 30th year doing this work. And I, I actually grew up on a dairy farm. That's hardly close to uh, doing professional development around the world as a speaker. But I went on my own journey for six months, hired a coach, got clear. It says, my purpose is help others to live, lead, and work on purpose, to realize their potential. Well, how do I realize my potential? Then I understand what my strengths are. I mean, there's all the work around emotional intelligence and strengths. understand what my values are. I understand what my wellness levels are. What does it mean, Joel, if I know my direction, I know where I'm going, but I'm sick all the time. So, I mean, I'm also a health and wellness coach. So we work in that space as well.
1: So what happens if what you want to do internally does not match what the customers in the marketplace wants externally? Does it ever happen that you get a conflict like that and it doesn't work out?
2: Of course, all the time. So I know that you're a coach in this space and I know that you're interviewing me, but let me just turn that for a second. What do you say to your clients where the nature of who they are and their passions don't match up with the marketplace? What do you t- typically say?
1: Well, to I'm, I'm not that soft about it. You know, I mean, I just say, listen, get over the passion and, and get on with the, uh, the business of, of serving customers and solving problems.
2: Well, that's obviously what all of us have to do, but there's an internal conversation or decision we have to make said, okay, does that always line up? No, it doesn't. But on the other hand, is that what I want to keep doing? So an example is I actually had my own dairy farm way back in the eighties, Joel. And I got up one morning, I said, would it be okay if I was here 20 years from now still doing this? And I said, absolutely not. Did I have a market? Was I capable? Did I have the skills? I had all of that. But I didn't have the passion, but also the purpose for it. My calling is really to serve and help others to fulfill their calling, their assignment, whatever it might be. And so then each of us get to make a decision. Can I overcome that dilemma that you talked about or that dynamic of, okay, the market is here, but my passion's here. Now, sometimes what happens, Joel, is I can fulfill certain passions outside of the business world. Let's say I'm a musician and I love music. Well, maybe I just join a, a band and we just kind of hang out on the weekends and we enjoy that. But my business is doing X, Y, Z. Well, that's fine. There's no rules on how that fulfillment comes and how I get into the zone and, and able to be successful.
1: Well, yeah, you know, my style would certainly be different from you know from your approach. I just would tell somebody, listen, you know, get over it and let's just get on with the business because that's the goal. I. I guess I'm not as thoughtful or compassionate maybe as, as you are, or maybe I could use a little coaching about being a little bit more uh, compassionate, you know?
2: Well, here's, here's the research, Joel. Gallup did this study a few years ago, and they did 142 countries. 87% of the workforce are disengaged at work. So what does that mean to productivity for all of us? I, I hear you. And, and I agree. What does the business need? That really is, what are the customers need? What are the solutions and what am I providing for those solutions? That's fine. That's great. If I'm going to be part of it or not, is the decision that each person makes personally. Can I overcome it? Like you said, this is really not a, a negotiation or a discussion about the business and being successful in it? But sooner or later, you have to make a call. Can I overcome that personally or not? Like you said, get over it. But some people don't, and they struggle. They have this internal sort of disconnect. And so their passion wanes, their engagement wanes, and then all of a sudden they're making bad decisions because their heart, their head, their their mind is not in it. And I suspect that you've met some of those business owners over the oh, years.
1: Yeah. You know, listen, I 100% believe that people are great at what they enjoy, and they tend not to be that great at what they don't enjoy. Uh, great athletes are great athletes because they dig on being athletes. I mean, this is what their thing is great, you know, scientists love science and they love asking questions and experimenting on all the things that scientists do. And once in a while you come on a project, you don't like that much. You don't give up all the science because you don't like one project, but you push through because you got to do it. That's part of your uh, Mm -hmm. your deal. That's part of being a grown up. Uh, Sometimes we have to deal with things that aren't that uh, much fun. But really what I can see is that the inside track, the smartest, fastest, best way to, you know, to get to the finish line is really about making sure that your
2: passions and your pursuits are lined up as much as possible. You know what? And there's no job, there's no business that's perfect. Joel, we know that, but how could the majority of what I'm doing be aligned? Now, here's the other thing as a business owner is that we want to make sure that the team that's around us have as much as possible, that same clarity. And then there's one other level here. When we think about skills, one of our work is we work in leadership too. A lot of times you have people who are very passionate about, let's say, the organization and serving and the customer solutions. But most people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses. The research shows is the leadership skills of most individuals are undeveloped. 70% of people think their supervisor is incompetent. So not only do we have this, okay, pursuit and, and clarity, but if I am an unskilled leader, and I can demotivate my team. I could have people actually on the team who want to do this job, but I'm a jerk. I'm really a, a terrible leader. And, a, and as a result of that, I demotivate everybody around me. So there's that other side of the coin where it's not just, you know, that clarity, but it's also the environment that I'm part of and the skills of the people around me as well.
1: So let's say, uh, I mean, like you got, you got good bosses and you got these really poor ones. Let's, let's leave the poor ones to the side because those people need a special kind of intervention. Uh, that kind of is beyond the scope of what we're talking about. But let's say you're a pretty good boss. You know, you, you care about your people. You're in sync with your people. But your people just aren't passionate uh, about your projects. They're just not given 100%. What are some coaching tips you could give to somebody for engaging with their team better, getting their team uh, more on board? Because if, if the trick for the inside track is really about getting people to be on board and clear. And that makes Mm -hmm. them want to do the best job they can do, which is sort of common sense. How it happens in common sense is not always common practice, but and how it happens isn't obvious either. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what are some things people can do? These managers that are pretty good, but not great.
2: Well, at the peril of self-promotion, Joel, is that we actually, our most successful companies that work with us around the world is that they use the same process of clarity for their staff. In other words, they understand what their personal style is. We work intentionally to make sure that we have job fit. You could have the right people doing some of the wrong responsibilities. So how do I provide language around that? If they know what their core values are, can they then communicate to us Not as from a pre-Vadonna point of view and say, well, I'm not going to do that job. I now understand, Joel, that uh, this is what I'm really good at. So, I mean, everybody talks about this playing to my strengths. So, if I'm starting to understand, I know the team knows their strengths. They know what they are. And the best that I can, I play to those strengths. The other one is be aware of, as the leader, do you have leaders in place that really are encouraging? And then you have this open conversation as part of it. A lot of times I was interviewing uh, Jim Kuzu, who's just north of you, you know, New York Times bestseller, says a lot of times uh, leaders don't know what's going on because they don't ask feedback. They, they don't listen. And one of my colleagues, Marshall Goldsmith, number one coach in the world, says, you know, the a lot of times with leaders, they just don't ask the questions. And when they get the feedback, then they want to kind of push back rather than just receiving it.
1: What are some great questions? I think questions are really the key to all kinds of success. What are some great questions that uh, leaders or, or would-be or improving leaders should be
2: asking? Well, uh, if you really want to be vulnerable, if you really want to be out there, you ask, okay, in what situations bring out the best in me? In what situations brings out the worst in me? When you say yeah. me, are you talking about the employee or Are you talking about the boss? I'm talking about the boss, but you can do it both ways. So the feedback goes both ways where I'm asking out what environments, when you observe me, what environments do you feel brings out the best in me? So you can actually go, you can reverse that question both ways. The leader can ask it of themselves or they can ask that of the individual. On the other side, if you were to hire a coach for Ken or for Joel, what things would you coach him on? And so people then all of a sudden have this freedom. Here's the reality. People in the work environment have insights that we typically don't ask for. They're they're not in a safe environment. And so if they can share this, we're not going to necessarily change everything, but we simply reach out and say, what are the things that Ken could do differently that would help you to engage? And so these are just very simple conversations and questions that people can ask just to kind of get their opinion about to go to the next level. Now, one other thing that happens, Joel, in the research is clear. If I'm a CEO or a leader of a business and I walk in a room, a lot of times what happens is we um, it's called adding value. I throw my opinion out, Joel. Well, you know, we're going to do this XYZ project. Have you thought about this? As soon as the leader says, I thought about this, guess what that person's going to do? They're going to do what you have recommended if I'm a smart person. So one of the things as a leader, this is the opposite of asking questions, is shut up. Don't say anything. Joel, if you were to do this project, what would you do? And don't be adding your opinion. Just listen to that individual and give them that opportunity to kind of share. Now, if it's a direction you don't want to go, that's something completely different. But don't be intervening with their opinions because a lot of times we shortchange that. And then they just sort of appease us as the leader rather than moving uh, towards a direction that they might've thought would have been better.
1: Those are great questions. Love those questions. And sometimes the, uh, the easiest questions are the hardest questions, uh, you know, just in general. Yes. But the, the issue that I have with those questions is how do you get an honest answer? You know, how do you create an environment where somebody can feel vulnerable? They can criticize their boss constructively criticize and give feedback to the boss without the boss you know, turning on them and being coming angry at them. How do you create that environment? Because the truth is, I mean, you're not going to get honest feedback most of the time when you ask those kinds of questions, they're too
2: sensitive. And that is part of the reason why many environments or cultures struggle. I remember years ago it was a fortune 100 company. I was in as a consultant. We were going to do leadership 360 feedback and the regional managers for this company wouldn't fill it out because they knew it was going to be used for punitive measures. And that's the culture that people, every single business, everybody listening to this, if you're part of an organization or business, you have a culture. If you acknowledge it or not, you have a culture. The more open they are, then the more freedom. I agree with you, Joel, that it takes work and it takes effort. But part of that is, can you set that up so that people can give open feedback? It might require, such as what I do sometimes, go in and be a coach and do stakeholder feedback. And I said, Joel, how do you think about Ken's leadership? And I do it confidentially,
1: right? When you do confidential third party feedback, that gives a certain measure of safety that gives a certain measure of protection to the person who's sharing. And it also, it doesn't color the opinion of the person who's receiving the feedback. Oh, that person's feedback who said that they're so silly and stupid that I couldn't listen to a word they have to say. So they may be given the best feedback in the world, but if you, you know, put those uh, kinds of, uh, opinions on, then you're not going to get value from anything. So I'm, I'm really a fan of, of doing that, of having a third party come and help, you know, and that's, I guess what you do, I guess you'd come in and you would be, you'd be that third party, right?
2: Yes. Or, or others that are available to do it. The other one that can come into play is you have to know if the leader's ready and willing and <laughs> Joel to even go here. It is exposing, getting, I'm actually coaching a, a leader tomorrow. It was pretty, the feedback he got was harsh. It was very harsh. And one of the reasons his board says, we need to deal with this person. Otherwise he's going to be gone because it was, he was just so intense that he was just leaving blood on the side of the street. And so I had to go in there and work with this Is listen, are you open to this or not? And so that's part of that readiness and willingness from the leader. Not everybody's ready. And if they're not ready and willing, then you know what? we'll have to go somewhere else until you are And one of the things we do with feedback to leaders, Joel, is they're not allowed to disagree or argue with the feedback. They have to receive it openly. So it's the spirit of openness. And I might say, Joel, you're X, Y, Z. And then you would just say to me, thank you. We're moving people in a place to be able to receive it. That's I know gotta be, a lot it's of leaders, gotta
1: be hard. I mean, I've been, oh, in are math. you
2: kidding? It it's, is. It is brutal sometimes though. I agree with Jim Cousins. One of the reasons that leaders struggle is that they're just not awake. They're not aware. They're not conscious of the impact that we have. Every single person that's watching and listening to this show has a level of credibility with everybody they've interacted with if they want it or not. It's the price you pay for showing up. But do you know what it is? You know, If we're, people were talking about you without you there, what would they say? Would they say, no, Joel just rocks it. You know, he's encouraging. He's supportive. You know, once in a while he's intense, but I really appreciate that because we know where we're going or would they say something else?
1: Yeah. You know, I've been in these mastermind groups and there was, there was one in particular where, uh, the moderator said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Put a problem on the table for three minutes. It was a 30 minute session. Each person got 30 minutes. So you have three minutes to state the problem that you want us to help you with. And then you're going to sit quietly for 27 minutes and we're going to pound on you and your business, you know, all through the thing I'm trying to go, but but, 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 you know, but you don't understand, but, but, you got to sit quiet. You just got to take it for, for 27 minutes. And, and it was one of the hardest things ever to do. But when I listened to the recordings and I've studied the material, the feedback was so on point, very difficult in the moment to deal with it. You know, they, mm. and, and, you know, and so I encourage all executive people to get in masterminds, get in groups with other people, very difficult to do with your peers inside your company. So you probably need to join third party groups. I run some of these things and I think they're Agreed. fantastic but you know, they're powerful and it's really hard to take the feedback, but the feedback
2: can be so uh, life-changing. Well, I didn't say it was easy, Joel. It's not, you know, our pride, our vulnerabilities, it's just not a place where many of us are used to going. You know, I laugh, I speak at career development and professional development conferences and I I said, okay, we're going to do a feedback session. And then a lot of people are saying, no, 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 I'm not going to do feedback. I say, hang on. Every day, you're in a role where you're giving feedback to other people as a coach, as a counselor, and you're not willing to receive it. This says <laughs> our, ability, our ability to develop others is equal, then, and less than our own development. And so, if you're a leader and you're giving feedback to your staff about what they're doing, et cetera, well, you know what? This is, needs to be equal opportunity. Where, where are you open to your own feedback? And you know, one of the words that you used, and this is a difficult discipline to develop. But to avoid the words, but and however, after somebody has said something. And so you can actually create a culture where you find leaders who say, uh, but, well, then what you've done is you've discounted what that other person has said. It is a discipline. So I don't say no, I don't say however, and I don't say but. Pay attention to your language today after you watch this interview. You'll be surprised how often we all use the word but, however, or no, when somebody says something, and we really have discounted that relationship or that flow, and then their openness that you talked about before, their openness to share is going to decrease over time when that environment occurs.
1: So there's there's a lot of ways to create this level of self awareness. The self awareness creates the clarity. The clarity helps us to be in the zone. And the better we're in the zone, the more uh, powerful we're going to be in our businesses and so forth. Part of it, it, it sounds like, it comes from feedback. Part of it comes from uh, self reflection. Uh, openness to, uh, you know, kind of getting feedback from other people. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things going on. Now, you you talked a couple times about assessments. I mean, is that for the purpose of benchmarking where you start so you kind of know where you're going? Is it like getting on the scale kind of like or what do you think? Well, it's
2: both. For us, in the personal style indicator that we have our personality, then it benchmarks your preferences and you know what your preferences are. And then I can be in charge of self. I'm not going to use my style as an excuse for my behavior. If I know what my core values are, then I can make decisions around it. And what we get people to do is an exercise when they complete that assessment, Joel is, are those values currently being met? I don't get to decide what's valuable to you. That's the beauty part of this. Only you can decide what's most valuable, but we give you a framework and a process to be able to achieve that. Cause most people don't even know where to start. So what's your top values? What what do you mean? What does that? So we give a framework for that. Or if it's your wellness, and say, okay, are my stress levels affecting my ability to concentrate or to focus? Or what are my leadership skills? So we asked, we benchmark the leadership skills. Now I got to go on a development track because we have sixty skills in our model on where I need to go to the next level. So assessments. If you went to the doctor, Joel, and the doctor is sitting across from you, just like we are in this interview, and I said, Joel, I think your blood pressure is this and this, and I never put the blood thing on your arm. What would you think of me I think I, I, would, a I, would, I
1: would laugh at you
2: yeah, I'd laugh at me so why would we do that in professional development if you went into a business if you didn't have any financials what would you think of them I think they're an idiot right if they don't know what their p l and all those different statements and what their margins and their percentages those are all there why wouldn't we do it in our life and so that's why I'm so passionate about it is that we are missing a point as professional developers and individuals is that let's just do this step let's use these assessments to get clear plus all these other things feedback narrative self-reflection interest inventories all those kinds of things and let's get clear about where we're going and let's be intentional with it and that's well let's
1: Let's, let's keep going I, I like that financial reporting concept you know I mean I, I like that a lot so in a business uh, there's financial reporting every month every quarter every year and you know there's cycles and things happen but financial information is changing every single day every time a check gets written every time an invoice is produced every time a purchase order gets made I mean there's there's liabilities and, and assets being created mm-hmm. all the time in companies how often for people, are those assets changing? How often do we need to evaluate people? I mean, businesses are evaluated every uh, day, week, month, it goes on and on and on. How does it translate to people?
2: Well, I think it's, I have a bias on this, obviously, is that it's ongoing, it's continuous, it's constant. However, we believe personal style is something that is pretty well set for, for your life. Now, your totality of who you are, you're maturing, you're growing, education is happening, experiences has occurred. All of that is who I am now is different than who I was 10 years ago, but my preferences are the same. We do see that people's values over their lifetime does adjust slightly. So what's most important to me at 60 might be different than when I was 20. And so I'm looking at that. We do our wellness wellness assessment in companies where we'll do that every year. And that is a stress assessment that we, It's actually a longest assessment where we have 120 questions in five different categories The other thing is when you think about jobs, let's say the company's growing and changing, Joel, and I'm giving a new role, new responsibility. I need to check in with Ken 30 days into this job about, is that the right, did did I promote you into a position of incompetence or promote you into a position of lack of passion or connection or engagement? So as businesses evolve or grow and responsibilities change, this is like a continuous Checking in. The other thing that happens in the HR industry, everybody talks about, you know, annual performance reviews. Well, that's archaic. I need to be sort of like this weekly and daily check-in about how's it going, is it working, what's what's not, so that I can adjust. You don't want to do a year-end statement and never check quarterly or never check monthly. No, it's too, it's too late. It's too late. So this is this ongoing, right. real-time. There needs, to,
1: needs to be constant course correction. Absolutely. Yeah. So why would it be- let me let me go let me go back to something that, that you talked about kind of toward the beginning of our discussion. You were talking about inherent bias. And you know, the way I think about this at least, I think this is one of the root problems in our society. Uh, it, it's it's a big reason why a lot of people can't get along. Uh, you know, we're all walking around with bias. Uh, and a lot of these biases came to us when we were 5, 7, 10, 12 years old from our grandparents who grew up in a different world. Uh, the way they looked at people, the way they interacted with people from different communities, from different ethnicities, from different uh, cultures. And, and they might have said things uh, that were, uh, you know, less than favorable about other people. And, and right. I'm sure they did because it was much more prevalent 50 or 75 years ago. So you might have heard things. And so you have these inherent biases and you can't help that. I mean, uh, you know, you can't help it. But what I've kind of learned and, and identified with certain people as I've talked through people is that we can learn to control the knee-jerk reaction we have to what's going on inside of us. Is, mm. you know, and, and that's kind of a self-awareness, too, is that you know, I've kind of learned, hey, listen, you kind of have to wake up and recognize what your issues are so you can control them, count to three, and not say something stupid that you're going to regret that you really don't mean, but, but it's kind of just built into your DNA because your grandma said it
2: to you when you were a little kid. Well, dude, about oh man, you got me. That's a whole stream. Dr. David's burns talking about uh, feeling good or your, your mood. Nobody offends us unless we let them. And so how we respond to everything is a personal choice. You know, when, when Scott Peck wrote the book, the road less traveled, he talked about what is the most difficult condition to treat in psychology? It's character disorder, character disorder. is where it's everybody else's fault. So if I have a bias, now we also have another model there on the sidebar here, Joel, where we have all this input. We have our personality, we have biophysical factors, self-worth, environmental systems, our culture, values that are like from the social teachers. We also can have what we call emotional events, triggers that have occurred in our lifetime. Let's say my dad was an entrepreneur and then he went bankrupt when we were eight and then we're on the street because we didn't have any money. What's my thinking going to be about business, right? It's it's going to so, be yeah
1: negative right
2: yeah right so all of we take this whole all this luggage into creating our whole self on this other side as far as offense is that we constantly have a choice in how we respond I, I mean interesting a lot of people practice what I call negative response you get upset with your computer and you start pounding on it what is, why would you be surprised that you have this <laughs> negative response to people because you're already practicing it. With inanimate objects that aren't going to do anything because you pounded on it or cars, or we've all had those moments, Joel, where we've had road rage. <laughs> you live in California. So that, that could happen right yeah. there just in an instant. I said, where does that come from? Well, people have created sort of this trigger response. And so one of the things that we teach is that you are 100% responsible for being offended. Nobody has ever offended you, ever it has been a personal choice. And people dislike that in the today's environment. So, I, you know, you've said this. Well, too.
1: I, I, think, I think yelling that you're offended is a strategy for a lot of people. I mean, it, it's the way they get their way. I mean, it, it creates, they get a lot of attention. It just, it's it's a very negative, uh, we're, we're in a very negative cycle and, and I hope we can break this cycle. Uh, well, listen, well,
2: Joel, if I could use this word is 100% completely dysfunctional because it's about being self-centered. So the reality is, it's not that I can't disagree with you. It's how I disagree with you. The fact that you are not permitted to have your opinion, Joel, sorry, uh, you don't exist in my world.
1: So. You know, I'll tell you, uh, our discussion isn't about race, ethnicities and everything's here, but I think the more we talk, the more we learn about one another, the better off we are. We can be different, but we can get along. And part of the, you know, you talk about being offended, you can't talk to people who are getting offended all the time. You can't talk to people that are closed down. So, hey, look, this is how I feel about something. How do you feel about it? Well, why do you feel that way? What was your life experience that made mm-hmm. you feel that way? Uh, I, I think if we had more open discussion, and I think the media is largely responsible for a lot of these problems, you know, and that's uh, how it is. You can't fix that situation because they make mm-hmm. money on, on it. And and that's what a lot of people don't understand is that they're a pawn in a chess game is that a lot of people make money on on them for doing these things. but. Mm-hmm. Um, But when companies encounter these problems, just let's wrap up on this. How do they deal with these issues? How do they get in front of them so that they deal with inherent bias and a lot of the issues that you're kind of pointing at?
2: Well, again, it goes back to, before I can even deal with it, I need to acknowledge I have a bias. I need to acknowledge that I have a propensity towards some kind of orientation, Joel. So once I understand that, then I get to choose Other people get to choose. Am I going to do something about it? So if I have this, what we call implicit bias, first of all, we do, then I need to know what is it? What is it that has biases? How how do I show up? And so that's the first step is to, first of all, I need to own my space. I mean, the Johari window in psychology has been around for 75 years. What I know about myself and you know about me, and then there's the other four boxes, what you know about me that I'm not willing to acknowledge, which is a blind spot. What I know about myself that you don't know about me, which is my secrets. And then the, the last box, which is stuff that I really haven't even discovered about myself that as over life and time that I said, oh, I actually i am pretty good at that. I really enjoy doing that. And I never even knew that I didn't know that I didn't know. And so my encouragement is, is that you go like discovery is reserved for the seeker, is that you need to go on this quest to do it. So, you know, I, I do have a book on that. And is that appropriate now, Joel, if I just mentioned how this free gift. Uh, yeah, for you know,
1: I was going to ask you about your book. So you have, you have a book that addresses some of these issues.
2: Well, I have this book as far as getting clear about yourself and it's called the quest for purpose. And I'm going to give everybody that's watching this as a listener, a free gift at my website, Ken keys, dot com slash Joel. I don't know where we came up with that idea. And so if you go there, we'll give you a free ebook for you to be able to kind of go through the journey. If you have any questions about this, we just, I just set up an entire system. I went through this myself 30 years ago to get clear about yourself and then that can apply to everybody else. And then there's, you know, other tools that help people in leadership and clarification on values, et cetera, as part of that process.
1: Well, Ken, you're, you're a fascinating man. You do interesting work and uh, I really appreciate you being with us. So thank you very much for sharing and, We'll look forward to being in touch in the future. Uh, your contact information if people want to get a hold of you is going to be in the show notes and people can take a look at that but uh, but listen we uh, we certainly appreciate you being here with us.
2: And thanks Joel for everything you're doing and just helping the business owner as an entrepreneur grow and be in the inside track and be in the zone thanks for everything you're doing.
1: Hey well listen if people can be in the zone they're nearly guaranteed to be on the inside track so listen thanks very much. We'll talk soon. you're welcome. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block.
0: For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com.
1: How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com.
0: Produced by Audovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.